Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And uh, it is great to be back. I was actually in Geneva last week during uh, everything that was going on, and um, I thought to myself I may apply for Swiss citizenship um, uh, shortly after all of that. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't had the opportunity, my friend, the Reverend Paul Walker, is the rector of Christ Church Charlottesville, the Episcopal Church that is right on Emancipation Square, and he preached a very powerful sermon last Sunday, and uh, uh, they were right there at Ground Zero. That's also where the Mockingbird offices moved from here to Charlottesville a couple of years ago, and so, but uh, I would encourage you to listen to his sermon. It's very powerful in his reflections this last week. But as I was over there and then I came back, I've been thinking a lot, and uh, you know, we live in a turbulent time, no doubt. And uh, as I've been looking at this and thinking about this, our country is riddled with a lot of pride. Our country is riddled with a lot of denial and a great deal of self-righteousness, which, as was illustrated that last week, is uh, boiling over in some extremely hateful and dangerous ways. And as I came back, I was perusing the internet and uh, reading story after story and article after article, and I came across a number of tweets from celebrities who are the font of wisdom in this country. And um, uh, I came across a lot of even um, religious figures, prominent religious figures in this country, and politicians who had on their Twitter feed and whatnot images of that terrible, terrible gathering in Charlottesville of the alt-right along with the tagline which read, This is not us. And at first the liberal New Yorker in me said, Hell yeah, amen, that's not me. However, as I thought about it, really thought about it, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts, O Lord. I said, This is not true. In fact, this is our country's problem when you get down at it. We think that just because it looks good on the outside, somehow the problem on the inside is taken care of, when in fact it is not. The fact of the matter is is that Charlottesville is all of us. Race is a human issue, and it needs to be dealt with honestly, and ultimately, because it's a human issue, it needs to be dealt with theologically. And this is what I hope to articulate to you today. In this sermon, I want to give you three points that articulate what unify us as human beings and as Christians. And let me tell you, it is something far more profound than the color of your skin or what a political affiliation you have to be associated with. But we think that just because we tipped our Mexican waiter or have a couple of black friends and I talk a big game of tolerance, that the inside is all cleaned up. As one prominent black Charlottesville farmer wrote this week when he was commenting on the events of last week and then the fact that he's constantly pulled over by the police as he delivers his goods to the, uh, to the, to the kind of the, the upper crust farmer's markets around Charlottesville. He wrote this reflecting on what was going on. He said this, he said, It isn't Richard Spencer calling the cops on me for farming while black. It's the nervous white women in yoga pants with I'm with her and coexist stickers on their German SUVs. That is exactly what Jesus is getting at in our gospel reading today, in the first section. Humans, a natural religion, 
natural religion, which is every other religion except for gospel Christianity. And sadly, most of Christianity has been co-opted by natural religion. But it thinks religions of do. This is how it manifests itself in Christianity. What would Jesus do? Wrong question. That's natural religion. It's what has Jesus done? But natural religion, natural religion, religions of do are only concerned with the outside action. It thinks that the outside defines the inside. If I have a big smile on my face, I must be happy. If I wear Lululemon and I'm working on being a vegan, I must be the embodiment of tolerance. You know, if, if I shook your hand at a party and said, job well done, I must be appreciative and pleased with you. Fake it until you make it. That's the motto of humans, naturally. That's the motto of natural religion. And what it does is that it creates cracks in our psyche, which ultimately reveal, notice I didn't say lead to, what it does is that it reveals the cesspool of hatred and resentment and violence that is born naturally in our dark hearts as children of Adam and Eve. People say, oh, people have to be taught racism. It's not true. I mean, I go to the Jack and Jill school and they talk about at this particular age, they start categorizing. And this just makes its way up. It's in our hearts. And so this is why Jesus flips the whole thing on its head in the first part of our gospel reading. He says, your intentions actually matter. Your inside matters. Because your inside, your heart, actually defines the outside. No matter how good the action may be, in God's eyes, the intention is what ultimately defines the action. And this is why we pray, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires are known. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. This is why Jesus preached on the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, do not commit murder, but I say unto you, if you even had an angry thought, you've already done it. You have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, anyone who has a lustful thought has done it. This is my first point. The first thing that unifies us as a human being is our universal condemnation before the law. As the reformer said, lex siember accusat, the law always accuses. And if Jesus is right, which he is, then on our own, each and every one of us, before the law of tolerance, the law of inclusion, the law of diversity, the law of race, the law of religion, as we've seen in Barcelona, and whatever law we want to stand and throw into the mix and stand before, we all stand before that law. The law is fluid. And we stand before it condemned. For as Jesus teaches here, the law speaks not to the outside, but to the inside. The law speaks not to the appearance, but it speaks to the heart. For out of the heart come evil intention. Murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. So you have to understand that. On your own, no one is standing justified by God because they're basically a good person. And it's with this understanding on our mind, or should I say in our hearts, 
This is what opens you up to the gospel. This is what actually opens you up to Christianity. And we begin to understand the second half of our gospel reading. And my other two points, these things that unify us as Christians and ultimately as human beings. The scene in the second half of our gospel reading begins with a Canaanite woman, a woman condemned by the law of race, yelling not, hey, hey, I'm basically a good person. Hey, hey, I'm owed something. But this is key. She comes to him and she's an outsider. And she comes to him and she says, have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, this outsider references Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, the one promised to Abraham that would make him the father of many nations. And she says, have mercy on me. My daughter is tormented by a demon. However, the response she, Jesus gives her is shocking. And it's extremely un-Jesus. <laughs> you know, the first time I read this, I was like, is there a typo? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> She's told to go away. Jesus even tells her it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. What are you talking about, Jesus? What would you have done? I mean, this, this passage has always kind of knocked me off my feet. And it hits me hard because I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. I um, think I'm entitled to something. I mean, look at how I'm dressed up here. You know, I'm really doing it, Lord. I'm entitled to something. I think that God owes me something for just showing up Sunday after Sunday. You know, maybe you think that God owes you something, owes you a healing, owes you a miracle, owes you a breakthrough. God owes you justice on the basis of just being. And this is what the Canaanite woman understands. This is her insight. She's owed nothing. And therefore, she is desperate. You know, if you think you're entitled to something, you never quite understand this text. And there are going to be millions of people preaching about how she changed Jesus' mind, which is not true. She understood who she was. She understood that she was desperate. And this is my second point. Because we are universally condemned by the law... Therefore, on our own, we are owed nothing. The thing, the other thing that unifies us as humans is our collective desperation and our collective need. But our collective desperation and our collective need for what? As I said, this passage has always given me great trouble because deep down I believe that I'm entitled And hence, I've always missed the point. But what's being poured out here is buckets of grace. But that's not obvious to the entitled person. But then we begin to see what unifies us when that breaks down and that is uh, 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 washed away by God's grace. We begin to see that the powerful thing going on here is the word of faith. Luther nailed it when preaching on this text. He said, The healing is not so much for this woman or for her faith as it is for Jesus' disciples and for us. He's training them in what great faith looks like. It looks like a broken and desperate Canaanite woman who embraces her dogginess 
and doggedly pursues the promise hidden under Jesus' seeming rejection. That's powerful. Jesus here is teaching the disciples and us what faith is all about that comes by grace. And faith is not an acceptable form of superstition. Faith is the gift that God gives you that comes by his word to believe him despite all evidence to the contrary. It is the ability to hang on to his word and trust him. Here in this gospel reading, he is teaching us what the gift of faith looks like because it is only the gift of faith that can cleanse us from the inside out. It is only the gift of faith that gives us the ability to cling to God and his gospel despite all evidence to this country and your own, in all evidence to the contrary in this country and in your own life. To look for the promise in his word and not trust our own feelings or even how God seems to be treating us. Because in here is the gospel promise given to you and me, the richest crumbs that fall from this table. The crumbs that fall from our Lord's table are loaded with unmerited grace, unconditional love, unending mercy, and everlasting forgiveness. That is what falls from our Lord's table. And it falls to you and to me. And this is my third point. As we gather today around this table, we are reminded of the third thing. And this is why it's theological. The third thing that can unite us as human beings, and that is, and it's most certainly not race or political affiliations. Let's just leave those out at the door. What unites us as Christians is faith in Christ alone and his righteousness given to us. And we who by his word given to us in baptism, we who have been cleansed from the inside out, and yet in this age in continual need, as we gather around this altar to stretch our arms out into infinity, we do not receive crumbs, but rather we receive the very bread of life and the wine of heaven, the body and blood of him who went to the dogs for you and me. And by faith, that body and blood now runs through you and unites you and me to people who normally we would never have anything in common with. This is why be very wary of the homogenous cool church. Because the blood of Christ, it binds people of different different backgrounds. There is no more Jew or Greek, free or slave, male or female, but all are one in Christ. And this blood and body binds us together, one another, enabling us to look upon one another, not just simply as people, but as family, brothers and sisters, nourished by Christ and witnessing to the world that we have been given a promise, the promise of the gospel, which has created faith in our heart, faith in Christ alone. And it is that gift alone, and not our own doing, that like the Canaanite woman's daughter, has made us well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.